0: Yeah, you can unmute yourself there. Heavenly Father, Abba, Father, we come humbly before the throne this evening, Father. We, the body of Christ, we come together with an expectation, Lord, of the movement of your Holy Spirit working through our dear brother, Bernard, tonight, Lord. Lord, may the streams of living water flow freely through him and through each of us, not only to receive, but also to, to give, Lord, as the word flows, as the message comes, Lord. We know it's from you. We are yours, the body of Christ, Lord. So minister your work Lord, us, innocent through us tonight. Bless Bernard, Lord, we thank you for bringing us together tonight, Lord. Amen. Thank you for the way you're, you're working a mighty work in each of us. Amen. As Christ is being formed in us day by day, Amen. we must become less and you must become greater, Lord. We just humble Amen. ourselves before you, Lord. Amen. Just pray with expectation, Lord, to receive to here what you have laid upon Bernard's heart tonight to impart to us. We pray against every evil of the enemy, Lord. We pray a protection upon our dear brother, and upon each of us tonight, Lord, as we come to hear and to receive. We know, Lord, that, uh, that we are in a, in a battle, yet the victory has been won. Mm-hmm. So we look with anticipation to the life to come and may we finish strong in the fight, the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Bless our dear brother and bless this time together. And we rejoice even now for the for the fruit that you're about to give us and part to us in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen.
2: Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Mm. All right, brother Bernard. Go ahead. Praise God. It's lovely to be with you all again. <laughs> Of course, some of you I know, I've known for so many years. That there are, I reckon, about 15 people on from Malaysia, east and west, from Sarawak, from Australia as well, that are on tonight. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I think I learned through all the travels I've done through the years in different countries. Is just the just the differences that people face locally in their settings, and uh, of course, I've had the privilege of spending time in the be in the days of the Iron Curtain, as it was spending much time in countries that were distinctly under persecution and I've had uh, time in countries that I don't mention in public um, that most of you uh, I would not mention that I've been to where it would be likely that if someone was found to be a Christian even their father would kill them if a child and so I'm not unfamiliar with very varied places, and um, it makes you realize. One of the things it makes you realize is how soft we all are in ways in the West, and um, we we don't really realize just the wonder of the power of the inward life. And I, I want to talk about the inward life today in fact if you want a title <laughs> uh, which i don't <laughs> give at the beginning sometimes richard and i grope for for titles he writes to me and we talk and it's sometimes not easy but the the title i would want to bring is the inward way and so i'm going to t- we the last two weeks ago we were we were in Galatians, weren't we? And so we'll go back there again into Galatians. Only um, two weeks ago it was about the uh, Who Is Your Mother? Um, I'm not quite sure what the title was in the end, but um, I know it was a good one because Richard chose it, um, correcting what I'd given, I think, and that was good. Um, and you know so we're back in galatians and we'll 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 look at the end of the book just to confuse us um we'll begin at the end i don't know whether you're when you read books you you go to the end but the end the last verse says something extremely powerful it's, of course, it's Paul, he's writing, and you will all know that he had. And I'm going to use the King James Version tonight um, purposely, and, and I'll come to that in a minute. But it finishes, his words finish. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the grace of our Lord jesus christ i don't know whether you picked up the way i said that the intonation now the grace of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit amen i didn't say the grace of our lord jesus christ i said the grace of our lord jesus christ that's the church's Lord. Jesus Christ. Not the Pope. Even a local one in your church. Who's called an elder. Maybe. Or a bishop. Or something like that. The grace of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit. Did you realize that every church has a spirit you did you realize that
1: uh, I,
2: I know that right well because of course i visited so many churches and uh, i found plenty where the controlling spirit of the leader <laughs> it, that's the controlling spirit of that church and uh, i've been to churches where like the galatians uh, had were becoming where grace was being driven out by legalism where the inward life was being driven out by the outward life i think that's one of the things that it's very good for us to to very much be instructed in in the in the things in which we're living through, especially these last two, three, four years, you know, um, secularly out there in, in the world, in our different countries, you know, the outward presses in profoundly and dirties the soul. And if you're not careful, it will impact your spirit and my spirit in such a way that we lose perspective we lose understanding we're made dull and it's not by chance that paul finishes his epistle by saying the grace of our lord jesus christ you realize i presume that the emerging Antichrist that will come, whether it will be a single individual or a conglomerate of a number of individuals, I hope you realize that to some, he will be an exceedingly gracious Lord. And to others uh, who cross him, he will be a terrible tyrant. Uh, a little bit like that, of course, where you find with some politicians, for instance, in China, there are multitudes in China who think that their Lord, um, who is the main charismatic figure in government in that country, they feel that he's a very gracious Lord. Uh, the way he's administering things, the way he's accomplishing things—I uh, wonder if you're watching the Winter Olympics. Anyway, um, you know it's—it's it's interesting to realize, to some, <laughs> a gracious Lord, and our Lord is Jesus Christ, the grace. Of our lord jesus christ be with your church's spirit uh, a, a church's spirit is essentially the agglomeration of the spirits of those who are part of it and uh, every church has a spirit so if you were to go through the seven letters that the lord jesus sent to the seven in revelation two and three then you would find there different spirits and you will all notice that he spoke to the angel of the spirit the angel of the church at ephesus the angel of the church and so on and so on. For instance, the church at Ephesus, the famous one, he, he, he said, uh, you have left your first love, he said that. So he's obviously not talking to an angelic being because and the angelic being of that church and every church, it seems, uh, certainly every individual has angels little ones don't they little children have angels so the lord jesus said and but churches so when he's talking to the angel of the church he's talking to those perhaps there's one perhaps there's two perhaps there's three perhaps there's four influential members of that church uh, and their spirit is particularly influential in their church. So that you remember the message that came to the church at Laodicea to the angel of the church in Laodicea. And that's the last one isn't it the seventh one and uh, it's quite challenging when you when you read the letters like that and realize that men have such uh, an influence um, he said uh, i i know your works that you're neither cold nor hot <laughs> that's the angel of the church is it three men? Is it? Th- I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, that's the way the spirit of churches are so different. And I think of churches that I've spent time with. Oh, very blessed. When I first used to go to Nepal in the early 70s, a long while ago, Nepal had just opened. Um, to the gospel many Nepalis had uh, were sort of camped around Nepal as were missionaries um, and they were just waiting for Nepal which was a Hindu kingdom to open to the gospel in the late 60s at last it happened and uh, I was able to go in others went in before me and, you know, the times that I, the spirit of those believers was so sweet. I remember there used to be something called the Nepal. What was it called? It was a yearly conference. You know, uh, the year that I was there, some of the people had walked for three weeks to get to that conference in Kathmandu. And I, three weeks, imagine that. They walked three weeks. And the spirit of those precious people, there was a simplicity. As you know, <clears throat> uh, I'll tell you an interesting story about that because uh, when I was there that particular year, a brother had been ministering there, a charismatic leader, had been ministering there a year before. And I spoke, uh, with, or, or as I got to know the people, and they said to me, last year it was a bit difficult. I said, how so? Well, because we had to ask the brother to stand down. I said, what, well, whatever for? Uh, it, because he was spending time trying to teach us to dance in the spirit and the leader said nonsense we all know how to dance from our hindu backgrounds we've been delivered from it <laughs> and he they said we had to ask him to stand down and uh, wasn't ministering jesus to us amazing but the the spirit of the church there in the main and i remember spending time in a village um, uh, called gorai and there was a lady missionary out there and mainly of course there was no electricity or running water nothing like that of course and in those days and it, the church was almost entirely made up of younger men and uh, lovely younger men and it it was so memorable to me um just the spirit of simplicity and love for the lord jesus that was there in their hearts i wonder so many of them would be older men now i wonder how they are and so you can think of, about these things, that a church has a spirit, and that the spirit of a church is made up of the spirits, particularly of those, the souls, the, 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 of those that are leaders and dominant in that church. And so you're always looking at the inward states, aren't you? The inward uh, how is it inwardly uh, the inward walk and as i look back you know in in the galatian letter let, let me mention this just how much there is pressure coming into the churches in galatia and it's coming from a teacher maybe several of them who were in their way seeking to bring the people of God in those churches back uh, under certain external practices? So, from the inward uh, that they had begun in to that which was merely outward good for us to reflect on this um, and if i focus your attention now in chapter one you'll see how in order to seek to bring them to some understanding of what is happening um, paul writes and says that paul an apostle and not of men neither by man but by jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of galatia so now we know there's a group of churches um, if we had time we could see that Paul was influential, um, the key man, you could say, who had brought the, the gospel to them. And you notice he says, he's very clear in his first verse, first verse, he said, I, I didn't come from a college. Uh, I, I, I'm not a Calvinist. Uh, I'm not an Arminian. Uh, I'm not a follower of watchman me or I'm not this I know where I came from I know where I came from I know that my ordination uh, my sending was not of men and it was not of man didn't have its origin there but it has its origin in jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead hallelujah uh, i i think it's wonderful when you just read simply like that and all those brethren are all with him he, they're, they're the same as him so he's not alone he's not alone but there are others who are just like him and his first word to the church or the churches in Galatia, is the famous one isn't it grace be to you and peace from god the father uh, f- and from our lord jesus christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of god and our father to whom be glory forever and ever amen and thus he starts doesn't he um, grace and peace from god the father and from our lord jesus christ this is this is where he comes from amen where do i come from <laughs> where do you come from and uh you know the you come from someone who who, who gave himself tremendous isn't it uh, i love i know these things are very simple to say you know please give me a preacher who gives
1: himself not just gives a sermon you know gives himself
2: he gave himself this is this is how it all happens and oh to find the church where that sort of characteristic is right there in the spirit of a church where oh they're giving themselves one to the other giving themselves one of the most terrible um verses in the new testament to me uh is is to be found in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul is talking about those who will naturally care for your state. You know, he's writing to the Philippian church and he says, I, I, I wanted to send someone to you, and I could only think of Timothy. Who will naturally care for your state? Oh, this wonderful inward impetus that makes you care. Uh, and I hear it. Um, I hear it. And I, I find that Paul must have been so grieved to write that. Uh, i haven't got someone i've only i've just got timothy who i could send who's available didn't mean to say there weren't others but the availability of someone who just go and care for your state really care for your state you know uh, that cry uh, funnily enough I, the first time i ever heard this cry uh, that comes from Psalm. I heard it through one of the TV evangelists. Actually, um, no man careth for my soul, <laughs> and uh, this brother was preaching on it. I don't even remember his. Oh yes, I do remember his name, but I won't say it. And uh, but no man cares for my soul. Hallelujah. Well, God does. And, he, he, you know, grace to you and peace from God, our father. Just uh, will you revel a little bit? You say, how do I revel um, in truth? <laughs> well, one of the things is you've got to get out of your minds. Uh, you say oh you know what do you mean by that <laughs> what i mean is that most of us spend our time sort of in the toing and froing so some of you may even be doing it now he's talking about grace you know and immediately you're thinking about its opposite you know it's amazing how we live in our minds but you don't revel in anything, in anything till you really give yourself to it. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Just revel in the word our. From Paul uses it, doesn't he? From our Lord. And our Lord tremendous anyway i come down and i think of paul and i think of his ministry and i come down here to something that he says about his gospel so here he is he's he's a pretty tough character when he needs to be as paul and he he says if any angel from heaven or we um, or verse seven um, another gospel some that are troubling you and they are perverting the gospel of christ um he says at uh, verse six i'm working backwards i marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of christ called you into the grace of christ right into it that's one of the reasons that i'm using the king james um, called you into the grace not believing certain doctrines say the sinner's prayer and you're a christian that's not what paul taught he came from god and he brought a message from god and god's calling you into the grace of jesus christ and you're being led astray from that into another gospel which is not good news you know the word gospel Means good news, doesn't it? It's one of those evangelist words. It's one of those tremendous words where the the evangelist was a newsman, who went and brought good news. The victory's won, the war's over. That kind of thing. You you know that already, I'm sure. And so Paul takes up this word and he says it's not another gospel. What these people are bringing you it's not another gospel they're, they're troubling you and they're perverting it verse 7 but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be handed over for god to judge and uh, as we said before so i say now again if any man so he you know the testimony of two witnesses two or three witnesses every word confirmed this is a certitude he's not some vague person giving his opinion he's saying what i brought to you was the truth of god It came from god i didn't get it from men i didn't get my ordination from man i got this from god and you came into the grace of christ and that's that now look at verse 10 for do I now persuade men, or oh God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Big temptation, isn't it, that, to please men? Big temptation. Big temptation. Well, if I please men, uh, I wouldn't be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, verse 11, that the gospel which was preached of me is not from man after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it. This is remarkable. This man who's talking to you is a man from academia. He's a man of brilliant intellect, a man that is not against intellect, a man who's taught in the scriptures, a man who was taught under Gamaliel, a, a man who so was blessed in that way. But he says, uh, The gospel that I brought to you the the word that i brought to you i didn't get taught it by man i didn't get taught it i didn't receive it from man but it was by the revelation of jesus christ can i ask you a question how much are you a recipient of revelation? how much have you received you say what do you mean you know revelation has much more to do with the inward parts of your heart much deeper than a mental ascent a mental understanding of doctrines a mental acquiescence and agreement with correct truth revelation is of a far deeper nature it is to do with imagination it is to do with a striking at your conscience it is to do with the stirring of your emotions and affections. Revelation is something that goes down into the inward parts of you. And gets a hold of you. And fills you with wonder. It liberates you. You know, from the either or position, you're either a Calvinist or you're an Arminian. Uh, if you don't know what those terms mean, don't worry too much, but they are. You either believe in the rapture theory or you are a millennialist. And all this that has gotten into the church, either or either or either or amazingly you will find that revelation silences the either or and brings you into sometimes i don't know but what god is and what god has done in christ and what is going to happen is going to be filled with wonder it fills you with wonder and so paul says it it, it, it was by the revelation of jesus christ and you've, you've heard he says of my conversation in time past in the jews religion now let me just make a comment uh, about the word religion, um, because, you know, <laughs> all religions seek to re-ligament together. That's what it is. The original word religion comes from the idea of a religio, which is to re-ligament, to connect together, to bring together Jewish judaism did not manage that didn't bring it didn't answer the split you know the split the divorce the division between god man man and woman uh, you know all the splits that are filling the earth today the either or either or you know but true religion of course is to re-ligament to make one go into colossians one to see that go into colossians one to gather go into ephesians one that in christ to gather together in one all things and wonderful wonderful You've heard of my time past in the Jews religion, how that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. You know, he was thoroughly divided from the Christians. The split was big time. The religious split in Paul was big time he was a formidable foe to the church and he says i profited verse 14 in the jews religion above many my equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers catch that word it's a very outward one it's to do with the outward way, traditions. I was so zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I profited in the Jews' religion. And there is but," verse 15. "But aren't uh, God's buts wonderful. You know the famous one, of course, in Ephesians two. You know uh, where Paul has been saying all these things about the state of man and his heart. But God, who is rich, this morning I had a uh, a, a long WhatsApp message from a brother in India, and uh, he's a Nepali speaking, but well, he speaks Hindi as well but he comes up comes from west bengal or actually from sikkim and uh he, he's saying to me that he's wrestling he's a leader a pastor but he's wrestling with this pressure about prosperity doctrine we're supposed to be the head and not the tail this is the general teaching we're supposed to be the head not the tail you know, this uh, Deuteronomy 28 verse 13, we're supposed to be the head, not the tail, prosperous, this, that and the other. Please help me to how. And so I said, well, who cares whether you're prosperous in the things of this world? And I listed out for him the riches of God. <laughs> And one of the ones, of course, I came from God, who is rich in mercy. That's but God. That's Ephesians two, isn't it? But God, who's rich in mercy, the riches of His grace. That's the Ephesian letter. Go through the Ephesian letter, um, all of you. Do it. Read it, and just do the notebook and put put down because He's got a lot about prosperity in the Ephesian letter. <laughs> <laughs> god's prosperity the prosperity in the kingdom amen as an overplus you may do pretty good in your business maybe uh, as an overplus that's all that is you know so you can glorify god there all right by being gracious to your workers and um, being you know paying them fair wages and uh, not being someone who's anyway let's get to the subject you know as i as i think of these things the implications of truth are wonderful he says it please god it please god now can't you imagine that it pleases god to give you a code of beliefs to believe and acquiesce to can you believe that it really pleases god to to change you a bit morally so that you're not such a bad guy after all can you really think that it it pleases god to sort of um well do this and that it pleased god who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace separated me called me hallelujah to reveal his son in me and if you're not reading a King James version, almost certainly the version you're reading will have mistranslated an important Greek word. It will almost certainly say he revealed his son to me. That's a wrong translation. It's a mistranslation which exposes what's happened in the churches in the last four or five hundred years so much has become outward to you to you intellectually you know i'll tell you one of the things about real evangelicals like dear wesley those who burn for God, they burn for God from the inside because men like Wesley could say, My heart was strangely warmed. Inward. Wasn't heady. Wasn't academia. It wasn't intellect. <laughs> it was inward. My heart, you know, and I'll tell you one of the things that will help you and me to penetrate into the more spiritual realms of life is as you love a Jesus who is being revealed in you. Paul says he, he revealed his son in me. Something went on in the inward parts of Paul's being, where his religious bigotry had laid, where his zeal for his traditions of his fathers had been. Something went on down in the deep places of his heart, the springs of his being where he knew that sin and arrogance and Jewish pride had risen in him, national pride. I don't know what. He, he knew it, where his lust had been, which he admits to in another place. Whether that was sexual lust, I do not know. Uh, that's the usual connotation. But the lust for fame, the lust for position, the lust for control, I don't know. But he knew that something had gone down or happened down in the springs of his heart. Christ had been revealed there. He, he revealed his
1: son in me. Hallelujah, that I might preach him among the heathen. Some friends of mine were in the house
2: a couple of weeks ago. We had a prayer meeting here. In fact, uh, two families were, were had come in the house, and um, they both left a church. Um, quite recently one of the bigger churches in our city and uh, they talked to me before about the church and i'd encouraged them not to leave i said to them well go and talk to the pastor and share with him your heart there they're mature people they're not critics they're not nasty people go go and talk to them and I encouraged them, and I know that one of the brothers did that on several occasions. And then a few weeks ago, he came to me and said, we've left. And I said, well, did the pastor listen? Oh, and and uh, I said, well, why did you leave in the bottom line? Because we never hear the word of God. They're just motivational preaching and our ears are deafened by the selfishness manifested by the musicians that must have it loud well i drove past that church and i drive past it almost every day actually and um i, I never drive past without praying for them the people there and but recently, they put up a very beautiful one-word sign. And uh, the one-word sign has five letters.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. And it really thrills me. Really thrills
2: me. Every time I... I drive past it and just see that one word, and it makes me say, oh, Jesus, I do love you. I do love you. You're the center of everything. You know, dear John in his gospel, Jesus in the center. You know, did you know that's in John's gospel? Jesus in the center. You know, they're at Calvary, Jesus in the center. And as I drive past the church, I said, Oh Lord, if they'd just kept to that
1: simplicity. Instead of dressing it all up with externals that mean nothing, externals that fade away. <laughs> you know
2: fade away when you nourish your inward man by silence and communion and stillness with god when you come into your inward man if you're someone in whom this has happened in that stillness you will meet christ afresh and everything else will be brought into its necessary perspective
1: so in a way you will not be worrying about what's happening
2: it's strange to say it because jesus somehow will help
1: you to say so what so what hallelujah all things shall pass in fact you've got something wrong with you
2: probably if you're still festering in the deep parts of you because you got hurt a year or two ago if you're festering with it not if you don't you, you remember it you may remember it but you see jesus in the inward parts that's what happened to paul and that absolutely well did you notice that i might preach him among the heathen the, that i might preach him the one who was revealed in me god the father by the spirit revealed christ in him and that was an ongoing thing christ in me that I might preach him. You know, it's quite possible to preach a legalistic Christ if that's the Christ, the, the only Christ, you know. You know, in Christ, baptism availeth nothing. Or this baptism. Now, I'm not encouraging people not to be baptized. I'm not encouraging that. But you know, Paul actually says, you know, because it was outward pressures that were coming in, Let's uh, get circumcised to keep the rules. Let's uh, let's let's do the feast of tabernacles. We've got to get our skull caps back on. Have you men ever thought that when Paul tells the church in Corinthians that the men should pray to God with their heads uncovered, that that was a revolution for a Jew? For a Jewish man? Have you ever thought about that one? Paul would have worshipped God. Prayed to God. Been a rabbi in the synagogues with his head covered. But when Christ was revealed to him, he became an unveiled man. He became an unveiled man because he knew, as he says, his head revealed Christ and Christ is to be revealed. Christ is unveiled, he, he, is the, he is the unveiling of the heart of God. See, that's what happened in Paul, God was unveiled to him.
1: In his heart. And he knew he couldn't hate another man now. He,
2: he, he couldn't hold things against other people now he couldn't christ was uh, revealed in him that, that he knew that christ was the great forgiving energy in him hallelujah and uh, <laughs> paul and I, I don't want to emphasize these things over much but what they need to be understood he says uh, once this had happened, I didn't need to confer with flesh and blood. Not, you know, it was so wonderful what had happened to me. And immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Very hard to put together this part of Paul's history, you know, but it is evident that he went away into a place of quietness and normality and a regular pattern of life so that what had happened in him could go deeper in him, deeper in him full in him and then he says after three years i went up to jerusalem and so he goes on he revealed christ in me are you are you not surprised then you're i presume you're not surprised that when he realized that into those precious churches for he had brought christ in them let, let, let's look at it go over into the third chapter where paul is writing and he says that uh, they received the spirit verse two he, he says to them in verse one Oh, foolish Galatians, what are you going backwards for into externalities? Uh, because you Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Isn't that remarkable? something had taken place while paul was up there in that galatian area with his friends and obviously suffering kind of some kind of sickness that we don't really know about uh, he mentions that doesn't he in this very book in this earlier in the second chapter you know he he was there in this weakness and but there with his friends Somehow, Jesus Christ had been set forth, crucified. Now, I, I visited a, uh, and spent an hour and a half on a Zoom yesterday. Um, and it was a Thanksgiving service for a, a, a brother. A brother that I loved a brother that sometimes we did conferences together in England in Australia and in India together and uh, he was older than I by 10 years and he passed away and it was a thanksgiving service for him and one of the things that I would say about this brother was that I Saw Jesus Christ
1: evidently crucified in Him. He was a crucified man. Nevertheless, He lived. Nevertheless, He lived. So I,
2: I had an eyeful, and. I happen to know some of the things that were said in the Thanksgiving service. I knew that his favorite uh, writers among them were uh, of course was Jim Elliot. A man who died at 28. You know his wife was Elizabeth wasn't it. And he was killed and. Uh, if you read uh, Jim's writings. You know, as a, a young man, he was a crucified man. Amen. One of the reasons he, perhaps the Lord took him early. Another one of his favorite writers, my friend's favorite writers, was Amy Carmichael. Some of you know her writings. If you don't find them, get them. A crucified woman. Gave a life in India, never went back to England. I think it was 50 years more and more that she said a crucified woman, he says jesus christ was evidently set forth before you crucified he's not saying in my life in my life in my look at me look at me he's not saying that he's saying it by inference he's saying that out of the reality of the inward burning christ in him by the holy ghost it was it just it just changed the manner of his living christ was so real to this man this paul and his friend. And he was set forth crucified among you. And because of that they received that the Spirit. So, chapter three, verse two: as soon as he's mentioned, Christ crucified among you. Amen, that was what Paul had ministered and lived before them. There was an impartation of the Spirit. That's the first words of verse 2. Received ye the Spirit? Apparently the word of Christ came with such force and such power, and it was so evidenced by the way they were living, <laughs> in that the spirit was poured out the spirit was given the spirit of that very christ and that very father of the christ was poured out into their hearts received ye the spirit they just heard and believed it says, Receive you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Can I ask you how much time you spend nourishing
1: the Spirit's communion in your heart? Whether, whether, you turn the radio off in the car and just sit there as you drive, quiet. And you say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. And you become attentive. Attentive to God attentive attentive there's a lot of learning to do in this and it doesn't come easily it involves a
2: right emptying of the mind a setting aside of the either's and the oars and the judgments that rise and the analysis and the plans and you know but no you know you, we began in the spirit some of us I began in the spirit. I was I think I was 22 was it more it's um, goodness me it's. Getting on for 60 years ago. And uh, I began in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And I, I've, I still nourish Him today, I'm nourishing the communion of the Spirit. You, <clears throat> you know, as Paul is writing this, and I'm not getting very far into what I want to say, but as Paul is writing this. You know if you look at the end of chapter one again it says that um he was unknown by face to the churches of judea which were in christ that's verse 22 but verse 23 they'd heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed and they glorified
1: God in me, God in me, God in me. Now I reckon that virtually every one of you has got God in you. I hope it's true of everyone. God's in you. God's in you. And they could see it in him. God in you. I saw it
2: in my wife before she was my wife. It's one of the things that attracted
1: me to her. God was in her. Now she didn't speak in tongues at the time.
2: For that outward sign was no evidence that God was in her. And the Spirit was in her. I could hear that when she prayed. I could see that the Spirit was in her because the longings of the Spirit were coming out of
1: her mouth <laughs>
2: when she prayed. Amen. God was in her. Paul says, god they glorified god in me it's wonderful isn't it the inward way and then uh, of course you you know this famous one don't you in the galatians this is the second chapter you know and you know this very famous one i'm i am crucified you know verse 20 you do know that he's not spouting a doctrine. You know he's given in his testimony. You realize that. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? He's given, he's given his testimony to them. I'm, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Oh, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost, he's, he, he, he said, but yet not I. He said, "It's I live, but it's not I. Um, but Christ liveth. What's the next two words? In me. God in me. Revealed his son in me and now you've got <laughs> you've got christ liveth in me i'm crucified you can't have christ living in you uh, an uncrucified christ you see there is no such thing The jesus christ of the gospel is the crucified one amen amen crucified i'm crucified with christ oh nevertheless i live and yet <clears throat> it's not me christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh so you've got christ living in him in the days of his flesh he's, he's in the flesh he's aware of his flesh he's aware of his body he's in the middle of doing his job he's eating food he's moving around he's got a sick body at the time he was in the galatian area you know it's through that that he preached the gospel to them and he said "Yet yeah, christ is in me wonderful do you know every time if only i if only i could do this this is one of the burdens of my heart through the years is, if only i think of the people who will be gathering together we'll go to one of the meetings locally that are developing you know but there's a a, a, a new gathering that started 18 months ago and all the difficulty that's there is simply this, that I don't really realize that Christ is there in the midst and that they brought Christ to the meeting. That there is, say there's 50 of them in a great big circle, as there probably will be, that 25 of them have Christ in them. And that when they came to the meeting, Christ came to the meeting and he was waiting for them in the meeting. And he so wants to lead the meeting. He so wants to speak in the meeting. He wants to speak through each of them, maybe. And oh, my difficulty, brothers and sisters. Oh, I have such failure in China. Help people to see that Christ in you. You're brought into the meeting. And if you've been nourishing his presence in your heart, he will have quickened to you something, maybe, and you share it. And thus it sparks something, and it comes up like a river in, from your inner being how many of you have had a mysterious impartation when someone hugged you?
1: I have. When
2: someone who just had Christ in their heart, I think of that brother, who I mentioned earlier, whose Thanksgiving service was yesterday, and I think of the first time, uh, or one of the first times I met him, and I was in North Wales, and I drove across to Liverpool where he then lived, and uh, went into the meeting, and uh, <coughs> he, he, I arrived and. The way he hugged me, there was an impartation from the springing waters that were in his bowels of love, came up, and it was Christ in him. And something warmed me, blessed me, encouraged me, and then I think of another older man down in this city where i now am when i first went there and he did the same he hugged me and it was more than a hug it was more than an outward act there was an impartation of mystery in it christ loved me sorry that's what meeting should be <laughs> washing one another's feet ah what do you think? Hey, eh? isn't it wonderful? Christ crucified. You know, I'm crucified with Christ. That's it. Hallelujah. Let's get you out of the way. Let's get your ego out of the way, or your ego, or whatever, you know. Let, let's get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Let's let's kill it. And yet let it live. Let it come up new. You know, <laughs> this is what Paul—it it was happening in him. Amen. I, I mean, I hope that you feel something like this in just even coming on this Zoom. I hear Mike pray, and it excites me, quickens me. I hear Richard talk, and I thank God for him. You say, I thank God, there's a flow, there's a washing, there's Christ, you know, I'm crucified, you know, what does it matter? Shall I tell you a little secret, by the way, it'll help. Ask God for a little humiliation every day, will you? A little dose of the cross put you in your place <laughs> it might sound strange to say it you see but it's all part of the nourishment <laughs> you know uh, I, I, now don't don't take me word for words you know say oh i'm going get down praying <laughs> or lord send me a humiliation today they'll probably come anyway <laughs> something that humbles me glory to god <laughs> he's he's wonderful and then of course you know you know what will happen to you if you're like this if you go earlier in the second chapter just, just go when he meets peter and um you know let's read it down i enjoy this it it, it says and then i better stop then. But I quarter through what I want to say. But he says, <clears throat> uh, "Where should we?" He, he talks to those brothers who seem to be pillars. It's, they seem to be pillars. Here it is, and it says, uh, "Let's just read." Verse 9, well, we better read from verse 7. Contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter, to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me <laughs> to the Gentiles. And when James, I, you're all noticing, effectual in me, you see, revealed Christ in me. That's what God did. They glorified God in me i'm crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet it's not it's christ living in me and now you've got he that wrought effectually in peter they recognized he's he's working effectually in me in me you see this is this is so uniform so uniform right the way through do you want to go back to that which is just outward? paul says to his precious people surely not and i'm going to turn one scripture more and then i'll stop and here it is this is a lovely one too and of course you know this one very very well he's going to get into the life of the spirit in depth isn't he by the time he gets to the fifth chapter you know he's going to be talk about talk about the works of the flesh and he's going to talk about the the fruit the harvest of the spirit i don't know whether you have spent much time wondering if uh you know on this uh, computer here that I'm talking to you from, which is an nice i something or other, whatever, it's an Apple Mac. You know that it's got a screensaver on it. And there's a picture of Hazel and I, which was taken in um, on the prairies in Minnesota. And we took the picture there. Someone took it of us because the corn was so high. We never seen corn as high. It must have been the best part of eight to nine feet tall. Incredible bumper crop that year, I guess. And we took the picture. And, you know, of course, I spent my time looking at that corn and wondering if it had really strained uh, to come out of the soil and really sort of sweated its inside
1: out to come to harvest. And do you think I did that? I just enjoyed it. It had come to harvest. It had grown.
2: Why had it grown? Because God had given it the inward impetus that had burst out of that little corn at the right time. He'd given it the moisture and the, the soil was enriched and up it had come. Amen, amen, and amen. And it hadn't sweated day after day. Am I gonna grow another inch? Is it 12 weeks, you farmers? You know, is it 12 weeks from sowing to reaping? I can't remember. It's pretty quick. It's pretty quick with those massive plants. Ah, oh, the harvest of the spirit. You know, the harvest of the spirit. You're not you're not spending your time thinking of all. Oh, Lord, I'm going to sweat to try and love more today, I'll tell you the secret. Fellowship with Jesus in the Holy Ghost in the inward man of you. It is getting quiet and going down into fellowship. Quietness with God. It is a right emptying of your mind and liberating yourself from the arguments and the plannings and the things that dominate in the mind. It is coming into the leadership of the spirit where he really leads you that's why before paul gets to the fruit the harvest of the spirit he says a key word in verse 18 of chapter 5 it's a key word if you be led by the spirit now paul's not talking about whether you should move to Eureka, California uh, from New York or whatever. I have to change your accent, but, uh, you know, oh dear. it's it, it, uh, he does lead, but he's not talking about that. He's talking about the wonderful the, the word for lead is an interesting one. It, it's to do with instinct. It's to do with instinct. You know, <clears throat> uh, I've watched a couple of shows this week on the TV about Mexico. And I've only caught two of them. Uh, one of them was about the desert, um, the Sonara Desert and things like that. <clears throat> And the other one was about the yucatan where the maya were and about the, the rainfall and all that sort of thing really enjoyed it because i love mexico and uh, one of the places i'd like to move to and live you know if the lord would arrange that but possibly it won't happen now <laughs> but um you know <clears throat> In those shows, of course, you just see these creatures living by instinct. Just it's instinct. It's, and the word for lead has this meaning in it of the instinct. Did you know that the spirit of the Lord has instinct and the Instincts of the Spirit are at work in you. So if you if you are led by the Spirit and know his nourishing presence more and more, glorifying Christ in you, you, you know the instinct of the Spirit is to reach out to love. To glorify God, to give, 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 to pour out, pour out, pour out.
1: That's the instinct of the Spirit. To take you to
2: depths and heights and lengths and breadths and understanding and to open eyes to strengthen hearts to reveal the sun that's the, that's his whole instinct you know those those animals you may have watched a nature program about those those animals going down to the water in the evening time you know to the in australia you get it with the billabongs and the animals going down in the evening time hallelujah hallelujah the instinct of the spirit to love the father love the son you know fellowship with the spirit isn't it wonderful you know the inward way
1: the inward way, you, you and I have got to nourish the inward life much more. You, you, you have. All of you. You know, you. You, you know that
2: dominating mind of yours has got to be
1: a servant, not a lord. That tendency to judgment. That tendency, it's in us
2: all, it's in us all. Oh, you've got Christ in you, my brother my sister. You have the spirit in you. You have God in you. You have the spirit's energies to, to, to lead you, to enable you eternal light eternal light how pure the soul must be you probably know that hymn it's a lovely one and it has some lines in it doesn't it very beautiful lines that how shall i whose native sphere is dark whose land is dim before the ineffable appear and it goes on and then it says, How shall it be? Well, there's a Holy Spirit's energies
1: and an advocate with God. You get that? That's how you
2: shall appear. This is how you shall walk in light. This is how, this is how there's a Holy Spirit's energies. And there's an advocate with God. Even Jesus
1: Christ the righteous. That's the skill of the poet. Capturing. Things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The
2: inward way. These things need speaking of more I think. But they are part of the. You're
1: probably too busy, brother. Sister. Probably. You 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 allow yourself to be distracted. <laughs> There's a the Holy Spirit's energies working. Uh, well, there
2: I leave it. It's inadequate I know. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's a Holy Spirit's energies. Be led of the Spirit. He will lead you to be crucified. I tell you.
1: He will lead you there. He will lead you day by day. To
2: lay your life down. To love. To give. To
1: serve. <laughs> the care Amen. Oh, man it's
2: his instinct amen